Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to The Checkout. It's a podcast produced at the WBGO Studios. That's also at 88.3 FM. All of our shows at WBGO.org, archived on checkoutjazz.org. Have you given us a review yet? This is an award-winning podcast hosted by me, Simon Retner. What you're listening to right now, all the beautiful Rockwood kids. I can safely assume that the violinist Sarah Caswell and the mandolinist Joe Brent are talking about that Lower East Side music venue in Manhattan that we love so much. That venue has a particular significance for this instrumental duo because as you'll hear, meeting there became the launch pad for something much greater. A new band they would create together called Nine Horses. Well, it first started out as a duo, and then it became a trio, adding the bassist Andrew Ryan. But their latest recording is a sprawling, epic recording featuring 21 musicians, entitled Omega. And it's a spectacular listen, and we're going to learn all about it and the journey of Joe Brent, Sarah Caswell, Stick around for another edition of my music. Well, we'll call it our music this time on the checkout. Thanks for checking in. Hi, my name is Joe Brent. And my name is Sarah Caswell. And we are with the ensemble Nine Horses, and you're listening to our music on the checkout. Nine Horses is an improvising chamber ensemble uh, with a trio at its core made up of myself and Sarah on violin and Hardinger and Andrew on bass. Working with a lot of collaborators, uh, playing original compositions um, in an improvisatory style, um, and designed to feature us playing the music that we grew up with, that we listen to, that we love, in all the contexts and permutations of that, and never really shutting ourselves off to anything. Yeah, no stylistic barriers. I think. You know, the, the music we play is a reflection of, yeah, as I said, what, we, what we've listened to. This first track we'd like to share with you is from our new album, Omega. Uh, it's called Strophe. It's the second track from the album, and it features the core trio, plus Glenn Zaleski on piano, Nadia Nordhaus on trumpet, 
Jared Schoenig on drums, and Michael Bellar on hand organ.
Hey, this is Sarah Caswell from Nine Horses, and you just listened to Strophe, um, the second song on our new album, Omega. Um, so as far as me- the styles of music that most um, uh, most inspire me, um, as far as what I, mean, what I grew up playing, um, did a lot of classical music when I was growing up. Um, you know, doing the traditional Suzuki method of learning violin and you know, classical concertos and sonatas and, and all of that. And um, you know, my parents were, were musicologists and were very worldly in the music that inspired them and they wanted to make sure that both my sister and I had that same sort of worldly exposure. One morning, you know, my dad would be preparing for his um, music history classes and we'd be listening to, uh, to Monteverdi, um, so these Renaissance choral pieces. Another morning, he would be preparing for um, a you know a jazz history class, and so he'd be playing a song by Miles Davis. You know, could have been anything from you know Kind of Blue or Live from the Plug Nickel. You know, I also wore out my copy of the the Plug Nickel Sessions. It's like a seven CD box or something like that. And what I what I loved was when you go from one record to the next, and it's the same tune, and to just sit. You know, I have a specific memory of sitting in my parents' swimming pool and just listening to that like you know, for six hours from beginning to end, being really excited when you know they play a tune that they have already played maybe an hour ago, and then to sort of play that game of like, well, what's different about it? You know, I would do the same thing a lot of students did, where you know you listen to the album and try to transcribe the solo from the album, but then listening to live recordings is a completely different kind of listening because now you're listening to them listening to each other. Incredibly intimate group dynamic. Trading bootlegs of live uh, Jimi Hendrix performances, sort of in the early days of the internet. I was on one of those listservs. And I would do the same thing. We are just listening to... What's different about it? What sort of a trip is Jimmy on you know, for this show? Maybe that's because of an energy or a vibe he's getting from the audience. Maybe it's from the other musicians. Who knows, but that's what I'm listening for. In the middle of a tune, he takes an extended cadenza and he just starts doing this circle of fists thing. absolutely had my face melted by this <laughs> like man this is like where did this start from and where is he going with it I started playing violin when I was very young um, when I was four years old and you know in my family there was always guitars and you know balalaikas and domras and stuff just kind of laying around so I always played guitar and I learned guitar by just sitting there transcribing Jimi Hendrix records and you know and, but mandolin was the instrument that spoke to me on a more personal and intimate level. I found that with mandolin, I could play all the you know sort of uh, aerobic <laughs> music that you find on violin, for lack of a better word. Um, but then also the, the thing that I personally really love to do more than solo and shred uh, is to accompany other people while they're singing or playing, you know, 
melodic material, and mandolin allows you to do that too. And it felt right in my body, and it felt right in my hands, and so I still play all those other instruments, but mandolin is the one that feels the most like the extension of my body. We met on a gig where I was playing violin, an instrument that I really don't play all that much anymore because I now play in a band with a violinist who's much better at the violin <laughs> than I ever was. But we we met, I, I was hired to play in an orchestra behind a Japanese pop singer who had rented out Carnegie Hall for the evening and sold the place out. And my stand partner was the great Sarah Caswell. And that's where we met. And, you know, I, I very quickly was like, hey, so I don't really play this, this instrument, you know, so don't hold it against me that I'm playing it really badly. Yeah. And then we, we reconnected. I think I ran into you at a show at Rockwood Music Hall. This was so. like four or five years later. Uh, and, um, and we're like, oh, hey, what's up? Like, good to see you again. It's been a long time. And um, at, th- at that time, I was in a group called Rose and the Nightingale. And um, the, the band leader was, uh, was wanting to add some mandolin to the, um, to the sound of the, the quartet. And I owned a mandolin. I hadn't really done a whole lot with it. And I was like, all right, well, I'm, I'm down to, to, to do this, but I need to get some lessons. I need to get some instruction because I really don't know how to. Like, I, the left hand is the same as the violin, but the picking is a totally different technique that I definitely need some help um, you know, learning about. I reached out to you and said, hey, can I get some lessons? And it was from that that we started to play together on a regular basis and really sort of um, started to explore the, um, the union of the violin and the mandolin. I couldn't so. charge for those lessons because they ended up turning into just jam sessions. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so this is, uh, a, this is the first tune we ever performed together. Uh, and it was just for giggles. And it, we just ended up doing this sort of half improvised, half sticking to the form version of Stevie Wonder's tune, Overjoyed.
supposed to be a keychain. <laughs> yeah, I know. Sorry, we didn't didn't happen. It it's right. it's been twelve years since we actually practiced that. <laughs> <laughs> that was fun to do that again, though. That's good. So you're you're probably wondering at this point why the band is called Nine Horses when. Right now, there's two of us. Most of the time, there's three of us, and sometimes there's more, sometimes there's less. And so the the story is uh, there. We were trying to come up with a, a name once once we were sure that we wanted to expand the band to include a bass player. At that point, we're no longer a duo. Now we're a band. So a band needs a name. Uh, and so you know, we went through a whole thing on trying to come up with a band name. Names are really hard. Uh, band names are hard because then that's it. You're, you're stuck with it forever. Song titles are really hard, which is why my song titles tend to be just gibberish because who cares? Uh, yeah, and so we went through a lot of things. And, I, you know, I'm really uh, a fan of a lot of different writers and poets. And so a lot of the song titles come from literary references. And the band name is also a literary reference. It comes from a poem that I really like by Billy Collins, who at the time, or maybe previous to that, was the American Poet Laureate. So I'll read you the poem, Nine Horses, by Billy Collins. I'll do a dramatic reading. For my birthday, my wife gave me nine horse heads, ghostly photographs on squares of black marble, nine squares set in one large square, a thing so heavy that the artist himself volunteered to hang it from a wood beam against a white stone wall. Pale heads of horses in profile, as if a flash cube had caught them walking in the night. Pale horse heads that overlook my reading chair, the eyes so hollow they must be weeping, the mouths so agape they could be dead. The photographer standing over them on a floor of straw, his black car parked by the stable door. Nine white horses, or one horse the camera has multiplied by nine. It hardly matters, such sadness is gathered here in their long white faces. So far from the pasture and the cube of sugar, the face of St. Bartholomew, the face of St. Agnes. Odd team of horses pulling nothing. Look down on these daily proceedings. Look down upon this table and these glasses, the furled napkins, the evening wedding of the knife and fork. Look down like a nine-headed god and give us a sign of your displeasure or your gentle forbearance, so that we may rejoice in the error of our ways. Look down on this ring of candles flickering under your pale heads. Let your suffering eyes and your anonymous deaths be the bridle that keeps us from straying from each other. Be the cinch that fastens us to the belly of each day as it gallops away, hooves sparking into the night. The significance of the poem and its relation to the band is that I, it's like a lot of Billy Collins's work. It's about something simple that takes on a magnified uh, significance to the poet, to the reader, to the musician, to the audience, and that's kind of a lot of what we're about too. Is you know working with a simple musical palette. We're you know we're just three people trying to make something together. But the significance of that to us, and hopefully to you, is greater than the sum of its parts. So Joe and I, we were doing uh, some duo performances, and um, we ended up recording an EP, um, a five-song EP. And uh, I remember we were mixing uh, the project, 
and um, were realizing pretty much during that session, it was like, wow, these arrangements, can you imagine what they might sound like with a bass? And we're like, oh, uh-oh, <laughs> I think we might be expanding the group. And, um, and uh, you know, trying to find the right bassist for um, the sound we were looking for was, it wasn't necessarily the easiest thing, just because of the fact that we needed a bassist who really had that same sort of um, diversity in, and comfort in multiple styles of music. You know, we need someone who has classical technique and also, you know, this world-class improvisational ability. Who else does that? You know, not that many people. There's this guy coming out of Ithaca, and his name is Andrew Ryan, and he does all the stuff. And so we uh, had him come in, and and Andrew came in, and instantly, okay, this is right. This is the right player for us. So this next song uh, is called Every Journey is a Desperate Act. It's from our first record, released on Sunnyside. It's called Perfectist Herald. time went on, we started collaborating with more and more people and expanding the, uh, the personnel of the band and expanding the sonic palette quite a bit. And that was always the intention. The first record that we put out, Perfectist Herald, was uh, just the core trio in a studio, no edits, no overdubs. You're hearing complete takes. And the point of that was, listen, this is us with nothing to hide behind. And if you like this, cool, then hopefully you stay with us, you know, for the rest of our journey. But, you know, we're going to develop as a band, you know, and, and work with more musicians, work with different sounds. And so I went to my friend Justin Goldner, who I've been working with quite a bit, you know, on other projects. And Justin 
does many, many things, but the, his real creative passion is in working with transformed sound, is I think the best way to describe it, is he works with uh, electronic media, sometimes analog media that's then transformed, you know, so tape loops and cassettes and, you know, mangled things that sound beautiful and modular synthesizers that are, you know, twisting acoustic sounds to create new sounds out of it. And I said, what if I came to you with this tune and a score like the tunes that we have, you know, already, but then had you create a sonic soundscape for us to then record over the top of, giving you also some space to improvise, you know, digitally and electronically with us, as if you were just an improviser, you know, the same as us. And so we worked on this tune together, and uh, the result of it, uh, we made the video, which you can see on YouTube, and here's what that sounds like.
that was from the record uh, we just released called Omega. Um, and uh, so this whole album was recorded, uh, except for just a little bit, uh, during the pandemic. We, we did some in-studio things just before the pandemic hit. But I'd, I'd say at least 80% of it was recorded during the pandemic. Luckily, you know, one of my other things is that I'm also a studio engineer and I have a really nice home studio. And I got very fortunate that I had that set up before the pandemic hit so that we could continue to work um, on the record. And I, I know what a lot of people are thinking, which is that, you know, well, if you're recording stuff just a little bit at a time, how can you make it sound organic the same way that, that you would have if there were musicians in a room reacting to each other? And I, I understand that perspective, but for me, this is actually the more organic way of writing because it enabled us to not have to watch a clock while we're playing. So Sarah would be able to come in and just do take after take after take until we got it right. And the point of making an album, for me in this day and age, you know, where people aren't making albums anymore, it's singles, it's you know, Spotify and streaming and stuff. So if you're going to make an album, it should really endeavor to be the you know, ideal version of your creative vision. And that's what this is, that's what this represents. And so we sat there and we worked and worked and worked um, on making this sound like we, what we wanted to hear. And so uh, we were able to layer in synths, we were able to layer in overdubs. We had our friend Ben Russell come and play the section violin parts in 16 different parts with two other cellos. And so we were able to create this huge orchestral sound in a way that we would not have been able to do if we were limited by time and money, which is what a normal recording process is like. I think one of the things that I really love about this album is um, is the way that it has sort of like a cinematic uh, scope to it. You know, um, as Joe was was saying, you know, so much of how we consume music now is like a single song, a single track. Um, very rarely are we actually really sitting down and listening to an entire album in, in its entirety. And um, for me, as I listen through this album, I feel like I, I need to listen to it um, from beginning to end. And I, it's, it's a journey. It's, a, it's an adventure. It's, um, again, it's very cinematic in the way that um, you know, these layers have been pieced together. Uh, and it's, I don't know, it's, it's such a fun, it was obviously a very fun thing to play, um, you know, just, you know, challenging, but so fun. And, um, and then to see how everything has been pieced together um, uh, is just a thrill and um, definitely a joy to, to be able to do this. Um, so on that note, um, we're going to leave you with uh, the title track of this album. It's entitled Omega.
Well, we wanted to leave the boldest tune for the very end, not to scare you away. But isn't it great? Omega, the title track from the new album by Nine Horses, Omega, led by the trio of Joe Brent, the composer and mandolinist, Sarah Caswell, the Grammy-nominated violinist, and the bassist, Andrew Ryan, with 18 other musicians on this recording. If you like the podcast, please, again, give us a review wherever you subscribe to it. And if you haven't already, please follow us on social media. At Checkout Jazz is our handle on Twitter. You can also find me on Facebook, Instagram, and everywhere else. Don't hesitate to reach out. The Checkout is a production of WBGO Studios. I'm Simon Rettner. Thanks for checking us out.